Welcome to the Making Money in the Music Business podcast, where we share insightful views on a variety of topics in the music industry that can help you make more money from your music business. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. William E. Smith and Kenya McGuire Johnson. Hey, Kenya, we are back. We are back and excited. We've been working hard for this episode, so we'll tell the yes, listeners more later. But this is, <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited, um, yeah, to be back. And as we've been saying throughout the, the early start of our season, you know, so much going on. So we're just always really grateful to be able to say, we're back, you know? It's, exactly. It's, yeah. yeah. It's a special time. It's a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge blessing. So, so what goodie do you have us before we bring on our special guest? Well, I got, um, like I told tell you or told you last time, I have uh, a lot of sources <laughs> that I draw from <laughs> to get to get some of these tips. But um, this this one is uh, actually it came in. Of course, CD Baby ha- sends out a great newsletter to update uh, their artists on a lot of things that are happening industry-wide. And one key thing that's especially come up during this COVID situation are, is the Facebook Live situation. And people have talked about them Facebook muting them, muting their live session, their live stream. And, uh, you know, for copyright concerns and all these things, and it's a great article. I, I will post a link uh, to it on the um, the website. But uh, they've basically, um, they've had these things in place since 2018. I guess they're just choosing now to enforce them. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. but th- to be in compliance, what you need to do is basically have your own, be performing your own music. Uh, yeah. Don't perform other copyrighted music. And And also there's some other things you need to do, which is, basically move around because what they're trying to distinguish is between a listening experience and a live streamed event. So I'll say that one more time. It's kind of weird. It's crazy. A listening experience, which is basically going to Spotify and listening to stuff or going to YouTube and watching YouTube music videos and a live streamed event is actually you interacting with your fans, um, your supporters and moving around. So um, that's one way, one thing to think about if you're going to do a Facebook Live event. Interesting, very interesting. Yeah, they've they've had to really. I mean, of course, they're buckling down because you know that's the the medium now, really, of yeah. <laughs> how people are getting that's, yeah, that's you the know live show entertainment. Format. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think you know, I know at least on Instagram on IG Live, you know, once D Nice DJ D Nice got out here. I think people just, you had a lot of DJs who thought they could just hop on and do what he's doing and, you know, get the right, same kind right. of, but no, 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 he has a special deal because he is playing so many people's music. There's no way he can do all of that and they get nothing. You know what I mean for that? So I think there's right. a very special, and these versus um, battles understand yeah. that mm-hmm. there is a whole, that, that they didn't just jump on and yay you know, here we are. There's, yeah, there were negotiations. <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> that like, went on. <laughs> those were some serious <laughs> negotiations. And it's quite brilliant, quite brilliant, because yep. you get to relax as an artist and just have your music playing. And you get those, you're collecting 
all of that, you know, while you're so Gladys Knight and, you know, Pilot Bell was, I think they were the most recent versus one. And they mm-hmm. went and all that music, you know, that they've done over the years got technically streamed over IG. So yep. there's a royalty with that. So that's, it's kind of brilliant, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, it was yeah. a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bandzoogle. From garage bands to Grammy winners, Bandzoogle powers the websites for thousands of musicians around the world. Their simple step-by-step system will get you online literally in minutes. You can choose from dozens of mobile-friendly templates, then customize your design and content in just a few clicks. Built for musicians by musicians, Bandzoogle has all of the features you need for your website and EPK already built in. This includes tools to sell music and merch commission-free right on your website, stream your music with flexible options for music downloads, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send professional newsletters, integrations to pull in content from your online services, including YouTube, Twitter, and SoundCloud, and live support from their musician-friendly team. Not one, not two, but seven days a week. Banzoogle plans start at just $8.29 per month. Yep, that's what I said, just $8.29 per month. And includes your own free custom domain name. Gotta love that. Go to Banzoogle.com to try it for free for 30 days. And be sure to use our promo code, MAKINGMONEYPOD, to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. That's again, Making Money Pod to get 15% off the first year. Well, thank you for that All tip. Right. I'm, I usually introduce our guests, but I'm going to let you introduce oh, our Lord. guest today because, <coughs> because, because our <laughs> guest know. is a part of the industry that I know that you are very passionate about this, this aspect mm-hmm. of um, the music industry. So the floor is yours. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, like like you said, we have been trying to get this interview for a while. We met um, our guest uh, actually back in is it December? I think it was December or mm-hmm. January. Dece- December. It was December, yeah, yeah twenty nineteen. Yeah, at the SynCon mm-hmm. conference in LA, and um, yeah, we you know we were just been trying to get her on to talk to you all uh, about uh, music licensing, which is like like Kenya said, a definite passion of mine. Um, just getting getting music synced to uh, visuals and TV, film, and even video games. So, but um, we have a very important person who's uh, who's done. You know, who's who's just like you know. If you look at her page on her company's page on APM Music, uh, APM is has basically their. I don't even know how to say it. They're like you know the go to of uh, of music libraries. So um, having having them as a standard, and then being able to have Sarah um, on to talk to you all is just a uh, you know real treat, and going to get some really good information, some gems, and some insight to how to really get into that world and what that world's all about. So thank you for joining us today, Sarah Ponder. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's so funny. I feel like Sarah and I are long lost friends. We, we've been <laughs> communicating a lot um, and you've been so generous with your time and flexibility. So yep. welcome, welcome, welcome. 
Thank you so much. Sorry, it's been difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To say the least, there's just a lot going on. And I don't know if you could, you know, uh, share with, you know, everybody just a bit of who you are, what you do, um, and kind of what made you decide to get interested in, you know, in this side of the music industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would start by saying that I usually describe myself as someone that is musical rather than being a a musician specifically. I Mm -hmm. grew up dancing um, everything from jazz, ballet, hip hop, modern dance, you name it. That was sort of my youthful passion. And I always really loved music. I had quite an ear for it. And I grew up playing piano and a little bit of guitar, but um, I mostly just gravitated towards the experience with music and I really love film. So figuring out a way to merge those interests um, became kind of my, my main pursuit. And I discovered what a music supervisor does. And obviously that's marrying music to picture. And so I just started telling every single person that I'd ever met that that's what I wanted to do. Mm. And I was working for a commercial production company that also did music videos. And I was just working as an executive assistant there. It was my first kind of adult job. (laughs) And I started talking to people and eventually met a composer that introduced me to a music supervisor that was working on big reality TV shows. um, The most important of of which are most notorious of which is uh, the Jersey shore. And so (laughs) I, joined that company as an assistant and I had to kind of work my way into the music department because at that time it only consisted of one person. And so I kind of weaseled my way in there and started to assist with everything from sourcing artists to licensing the actual tracks. And I worked there for four years as a music coordinator. And then I broke out and started uh, freelancing as a music supervisor. And at that time I worked in independent features and theatrical marketing, which is essentially movie trailers. And I really enjoyed that. It's, it's an amazing experience. It's incredibly educational, but it's also very challenging because I was just sort of working paycheck to paycheck as an independent contractor. Right. And yeah. And the older I got, I just sort of wanted to find a more stable source of income and to have medical insurance and, and things that, you know, you really take for, for granted. Mm-hmm. And coincidentally, uh, APM is just one of the libraries that I used the most when I was a music supervisor. And um, someone from the company reached out to me and asked if I would have interest in kind of going over to the dark side or crossing the line <laughs> into, <laughs> into the competitor realm, so to speak. And, uh, and I interviewed and I've been there for the past four years because it's, it's honestly, it's stable and I still get to work on uh, really amazing projects and a wide variety of projects. Whereas when I was freelancing, I would be on one thing, you know, one, one medium. And now I work on everything from video games to movie trailers to features. I mean, you name it. Right. Right. That, it. And that's actually a, a, a question that I, that I had, cause I, I was sitting there thinking about it. What, What's the uh, the difference between um, a music supervisor uh, doing freelance 
and then actually working at uh, at a library because you would think that it's sort of you know different worlds. Your uh, music supervisor actually uses libraries and goes to libraries versus a library actually hiring a music supervisor in house. So I guess what what's that that difference? Yeah, I mean, I would actually, I think I'm the first music supervisor that they've ever hired. They typically mm. hire uh, composers and, <clears throat> excuse me, and people who have worked in the music business in a different capacity or in publishing traditionally. And mm-hmm. I think they they sort of looked at me as, as someone that could merge the two experiences because I, I have a sense of what music supervisors tend to be looking for. Um, in addition to having a musical background. So I I think that's part of why it it has worked out well for me. And the the main difference is that a music supervisor would be dipping into every possible resource for music, whether that is uh, labels, publishers, um, you know, reaching out to independent artists that have no affiliation in, in any way, shape or form. And some of that is really fun and I do miss that at times. But the the difference now is that I represent a catalog that consists of almost 900,000 tracks and that's artists, composers, et cetera. So I have a wealth (laughs) of music to (laughs) pick from and supply to people. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting as I'm getting to know more music supervisors and more, you know, um, professionals working at music libraries and so forth. It's like, wow, this is a really, I'm like, do you guys eat during the day? Like, it feels like it's a busy, <laughs> busy day. And I would, I would love to hear more like, <laughs> what does a typical day like yours kind of right, look like right. given a catalog like that? And what does that look like? Well, it's funny because part of why I had trouble connecting with you guys is that I don't know my schedule because we don't have a schedule necessarily. There's no way to anticipate what my day is going to look like. Every single day is completely different. And I, I work somewhat fixed hours, but I usually end up working longer than what is required of me just because it's the nature of the business. And the company really does try to protect us and look out for us and give us our weekends. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I will not lie to you. I still end up working on weekends and occasionally on holidays and that sort of thing. Um, right. But essentially from the time that I start to the time that I finish clients reach out to me and request music for their projects. And the nature of the business is such that I could be working on something with full focus. And then a client that might have a little more prestige or someone that I've worked for, for a longer period of time or is in a more urgent situation reaches out and I have to drop whatever project I was working on and and reroute and assist that person and so it's kind of a, a, a juggling game of sorts. And I've used the analogy that I essentially am working on another person's puzzle and I'm just supplying a piece of that puzzle to them. And it depends if someone's on the mixing stage and they need music immediately or something didn't clear or license properly in time, people will reach out to me and they do genuinely need options, musical solutions in an immediate immediate way, immediate capacity. But um, in other situations, someone's working on a film and they're just accruing a huge bit of music and they have months to go through it and call through those tracks. So the urgency really shifts depending on who reaches out to us. And 
So yeah, I mean, it's just impossible to know what my day <laughs> will look like. It makes it challenging to plan for anything, including yeah. eating food, like you said. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm getting that sense. <laughs> I, I am. I yeah. mean, it's, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I imagine that that, I mean, definitely as a creative, I mean, it's constantly keeping you on your toes and, and making you, you know, you know, you're, you're moving and thinking and going. So a part of that is awesome. And another part, like you said, is like, how do I, how do I plan? But yeah. Yeah. So and how do you balance for your life? It, it's interesting because in some ways COVID has almost made it more intense where I'm just kind of locked to my computer, which is wow. a two yeah. monitor setup in my living room because my house is <laughs> tiny. <laughs> so I'm just, <laughs> you know, I'm reachable in every possible way on Skype, on Slack, on the phone, mm. uh, via email. So Mm. There's something coming at me all the time. And, um, you know, because the, the business got hit pretty hard in COVID, we just obviously jump on top of every possible uh, project for every client. So it requires a lot of dedication and diligence because, um, you know, people are really struggling to make ends meet right now in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was going to gonna say, how, how has that really impacted uh, what you're doing and then in general, um, the library side, what, what, what's the impact so, that you've seen? Fortunately, we've managed to keep our head above water because we work with clients that create all different kinds of media. But certainly the, the faction that has been hit the hardest is scripted television. Um, right. You know, film and television stopped production. And so all of a sudden there was a bit of a lull and a lot of our music supervisor clients lost their jobs and have been in, mm. you know, very stressful situations where they regularly freelanced uh, in what a, I usually call perma freelance or permanent freelance roles, where they would just kind of roll over from one show to the next, one series to the next, um, mm-hmm. one season to the next within a series. And they were working with some kind of regularity. And then all of a sudden that just stopped. And so our workflow shifted a bit, but then slowly but surely people are starting to produce content again. And then we had other sources of media that didn't rely on being in a a traditional production setting. So we were able to continue to work with, you know, our ad agencies and that sort of thing, but sports is a huge client. And so all of a sudden there was no content, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had kind of assumed that. And I know, you know, Will, from your perspective as a composer and stuff, you know, you see that. And um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, we've been asking a lot of our guests, you know, what do you see the music industry, you know, with COVID being what it is? um, (laughs) How do you, what, do you have a crystal ball? Do you know how this is all (laughs) going to resolve? Or what are your, what are your thoughts about how, how is this going to change I don't know. I don't want to put too many words in my in your mouth, but like, how do you think COVID is now <laughs> going to shift the music industry? What's your opinion? Well, I wish I had a crystal ball, frankly, because the unpredictability can be a, a stressful experience on the human psyche. But mm-hmm. I will say, I think that we're just becoming more and more reliant upon technology as being an intermediary to connectivity And I was actually in a listening session this morning with a very well-known composer. And, you know, he mentioned how much he misses being in a studio in a collaborative way and then the connectivity, the human connectivity. 
However, he also has been collaborating with other artists that he never would have necessarily met because he's located in Scandinavia and he was working with people internationally because of COVID. And so they're sending music back and forth and working collaboratively that way. So in some ways, I think there is the, the potential to have more collaboration in a less traditional way. And I, I think that's spinning it as positive and optimistically <clears throat> as I possibly can, uh, yeah. because right. obviously there are things that are very, very negative and limiting about our current situation. But I think there is the possibility of, of connectivity in a, in a new way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, there's a bunch of questions actually that I have uh, for uh, for listeners and also for me personally. Um, there's some things that I just would love to have answered <laughs> that, that <laughs> yeah. people don't really talk about. Um, but I've seen, um, and I've had this in some forums too, I've heard, had people talk about it, but some libraries want um, unreleased music and uh, some people and, and other libraries, you know, they want you to release your music before they put it in the catalog. Um what what's your perspective or what's APM's perspective on that, on uh, releasing your music first and then submitting it to the library or not releasing it and have the library release it on their, their releases? You know, I'm not sure that one situation is necessarily better than the other. And when we have an artist or a composer sign with us, it is for an exclusive period, a limited mm-hmm. term exclusivity based deal. And so once the music is with us, at least for a temporary period, that music can't be released anywhere else. And if a person comes to us and they already have a certain amount of notoriety and following, that can be really positive from a marketing perspective and just from a desirability perspective. If Mm -hmm. music supervisors are already aware of your work, that can be really fantastic. The issue being that we can't represent anyone that has pre-existing publishing deals or someone that's with a label unless we absorb the entire label. And that's not typically commonplace. Um, We work with Reverb Nation and South by Southwest to source independent artists that Mm -hmm. don't have record deals. And so we do have artists on the website and that's something that we're actively trying to source as we speak. And we have um, another small independent music collective that's joining us in the future that I, I can't speak about yet. (laughs) because they're working out their paperwork but um it is interesting because they have they for example have a lot of notoriety people are aware of their music there are musicians that perform regularly out in the world in a live setting and well or they used to (laughs) before covid right exactly (laughs) wow yeah perspective but yeah long story (laughs) short it doesn't matter if if you are a a known person or not we really are just looking and measuring the the caliber and quality of the music that's coming to us okay okay yeah that kind of i know you have a lot of questions will i'm I'm gonna sneak in can i sneak in a question go ahead go ahead this is actually kind of it's kind of related what you just said um what really matters and you know our audience is mostly um a lot, well, I'll say a lot of artists, independent artists who are still learning, still developing, still, you know, attempting to master kind of what this business is. And when it comes to music licensing and all of that, that's definitely an area I know more and more people are wanting to get 
um, into. So what advice would you give, I guess, that that independent artist who maybe isn't a part of a collective or, you know, they may have a nice, you know, kind of uh, following as they see it, you know, in their world and they've got people who are coming to their shows and stuff and they want to move into this. What would be some of your advice for them in, in getting their music in at, at least even heard and considered, you know, with APM? Yeah, there's a few different things that I would recommend. Uh, we actually do have a composer submission portal, so you can go onto the website and submit your music that way, and it will walk you through a series of questions. Um, but before I get into all of that, there are some essential things that you have to come to us with, and that is, firstly, that you don't have any uncleared samples in your music. And that if you have any sort of explicit content in your lyrics, that you also have a clean version of that song. And we will represent both on the website, but depending on what it's getting synced in or licensed in, it might require a clean version of that song. It's also very important that if you have vocals and lyrics that you also can supply an instrumental version. And one of the most popular things that editors and producers and music supervisors are now requesting is that every track has all of the stems. So when you're recording, make sure that you have all of the stems available because clients use that in ways that you wouldn't even imagine. Sometimes it will just be a single instrument isolated from a, a composition and put into a movie trailer. And you would have no idea that your song would get used in that capacity, broken down into its base elements, but that does happen. So having all of those things, in addition to 30-second versions, 60-second versions of your tracks can be really helpful for, um, say, advertising and, and that sort of world. So just really having a sense of how the music gets used and being able to supply all of those elements will be really beneficial. It, it indicates a level of professionalism to us mm -hmm. and... Even more important than all of that is if you have multiple writers and performers on any of your compositions, making sure that you have 100% ownership of that, that you have the ability to sign on behalf of everyone that's on any of your tracks. That's really, really important because sometimes we will be approached by someone that comes to us with fantastic music, but one of the writers that has a 5% you know, share on a song as a publishing deal with, you know, mm. some large entity. And if that happens, we can't use your music. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Very good points. Yeah. Good. Do, do you have, um, uh, placement, uh, fees that you pay out to composers? If that, if you actually do place, uh, music on, uh, let's say a, you know, trailer and, or a television show or something like that, that, um, they uh, supervisor will come to you all and and find the music in the library and then they want to place it in that way. I know there usually are fees usually sit situated with that. Do you share those out with composers? Yeah, absolutely. But that happens on the library level. We we are a large catalog. We're a large library, right. and within that umbrella, we represent other libraries. So we're almost like a third party aggregator in that way. And so those deals are actually worked out with the library that represents you as an artist. And in some cases, uh, people do pay ahead of time. They'll pay a, a fixed rate up front. 
in, in other cases, they pay on the, the back end once there's placement. Uh, it, it really mm-hmm. just depends. It really varies. And our rates vary depending on the media. And so there's a, a lot of stuff that goes into our licensing rates and fees. It, it's right. really dependent upon a variety of things. Okay. And, and well, you talked, you mentioned the smaller libraries that you represent. Um, is that there a separate process for a smaller library to become a, like a sort of subsidiary of APM or versus being a composer? Do they pretty much the same process of going to the submission contact form on a, on a site? Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing because we have everyone from managers to other publishers to small catalogs to independent artists reach out to us. And so depending on who you are, we can best facilitate an introduction, whether that's introducing a composer to our custom music division or introducing them to one of the libraries that we represent because we think that their music would fit best in that person's catalog. And if you yourself are a small catalog, then we'll, you know, go through the necessary means to um, get you a formal review process and potentially represent your catalog. It it just, yeah, it really depends. Okay. Okay. But the same submission process. Got you. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, And that's why we tell all you all listeners, (laughs) and we've mentioned this before, (laughs) to have metadata. Yes. Yes. Uh, assigned yeah. with your music so it can be searchable and people can actually find it and let I want you to make a uh, make another comment for our listeners so they can hear it from a uh, library and music supervisor how important is metadata <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely essential to have it embedded into your tracks have it in an excel spreadsheet have it in every possible means that you can so that you know the information on those tracks. And uh, if something gets placed in, in someone's media and there's no information, it could get used without payment. Yep. It could yeah. get dropped. You know, there's, there's a few different scenarios and none of them are advantageous to you as the artist. So yes, <laughs> right. metadata is essential. Yeah. 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 I wanted to make sure people got that. Emphasis. Okay. I know. And, yes. and, and I think <laughs> artists, you know, it just makes our head, you know, our eyes just roll back like, ah, but yes, no, it, it just, you just have to sit down and do it and make sure it's organized, especially if this is, you know, it's just like with anything else. It, it, this is what you have to do. So you should be doing that anyway. Like, I mean, it shouldn't be just, I, I want to kind of emphasize to artists, it's not just for those who are, you know, interested in their music you know, possibly placed or, I mean, just in general, you should, you should have that. And even listening to what you were saying, you know, um, what's needed, you know, but you should already still have access to your stems. You should already have these different versions of your song, um, even for your own promotion that you're doing. So, you know, this is just work that just needs to be done. So. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Just to, Protect yourself with copyright. All of yeah. that is so essential. Yeah. And then you're just, you're simply ready. Because if, 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 if you do need to shift and want to, you know, I mean, you're, you're ready. And that readiness is just really, really, really important. Really important. So I have a lighter question for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, uh, what are some of your favorite placements? Oh boy. Um, well, 
<laughs> there are so many and in so many different ways, but um, we did get something placed in tenant and that's pretty, pretty exciting. So mm-hmm. I have yet to see it, but um, I, I'm pretty thrilled that we made it into a film of that caliber. Yeah. I would say just because I'm a film buff, our placements in film tend to be the most exciting. We have a really lovely relationship with Pixar. So a lot of the mm. incredible uh, animated films of Pixar have our music. And a lot of that tends to be some of our archival tracks, things that are wow. authentically from a specific period of time, ranging from the thirties onwards. And right, right. so getting to see some of that older material put into a new context is really cool. It kind of mm-hmm. gives new life to the music that we represent. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I have, I have a, and, uh, this may be, oh, I'm sorry, you got another question. I was going to say. Well, uh, <laughs> it, it's, sort of the flip, it's, it's sort of the flip right. side of that okay. one, which is, what's the most challenging part of your job? Yeah. <sighs> there are a few things, and I, I don't want to overstate the difficulty, but it, it is a truly challenging job. So um, I guess... Firstly, it's being able to maintain the amount of requests that you get with focus and energy because I might have a request for Norwegian black metal and so I'll be listening to (laughs) really intense, loud music and then the next person that comes to me wants some kind of, you know, really fragile neoclassical score featuring the viola and whatever. And I have to recalibrate my brain, you know? Yeah. So it's always interesting to keep that creative workflow going in a way that is focused and attentive to whatever is directly in front of me. But even more so than that, a lot of our clients are not necessarily musical. So um, if they're coming to us from an advertising agency, for instance, and it's a producer rather than a music supervisor that's coming to us, they might not really have any means to describe the music in musical terms. And so very frequently someone will say, Hey, we're working on a commercial for a B and C thing. And we just want it to be happy and upbeat. And you don't know what that means. (laughs) And a lot of times they sign an NDA and they can't share the content and the brief that they give us is very limited. So you're just sitting there. Maybe, you know, the product and maybe, you know, what kind of mood they're going for, but that might be it. So you're kind of being put in a position of being a a psychic, so to speak. I was just going to say, you have to be intuitive. (laughs) I just was going to say that. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. Go ahead, Kenya. (laughs) Well, that was, that was kind of tied a little bit to my question. And this probably be one of our last questions, but um, unless Will, because I know, Will, you probably still have your list, but (laughs) I'm trying to sneak in my question real quick. Um, Maybe kind of, looking back when you were more doing the freelance music supervisor space, um, what a lot of, I I talked to a lot of artists and trying to help them figure out what area of music they may want to also consider. Um, what skills would you say that person needs to have or a personality or whatever, um, more so to be the music supervisor when you were like doing that, just remembering back into that space. Um, 
what what would you say that they they need to be able to do or skills they need um, to have? There are a few different things. I mean, always just being a reliable and respectful person is obviously essential. And dropping your ego, I, I would say, is probably the most important thing because you might be working for someone um, in a situation that's unpaid as an internship, or you might not be making the kind of money that you had hoped, and you might have to supplement your income with another side gig. A lot of music supervisors have other jobs. They can't really survive off of the income as a music supervisor because it's inconsistent. So really learning to be great with your money is, is really important and, and having a way to manage your, your finances because you might have a lull where you're not working for several weeks or even a few months at a time. And so being able to plan and project into the future while still protecting your, your solvency and stability is really essential. And that can be a, a real challenge, especially if you like me and you're a little bit more of a, a right-brained and creative sort of personality type yeah. business and, and finances are not exactly my forte. So, um, mm. you know, really just being aware of, of how you're getting into this business and what you're hoping to achieve is really important and recognizing that there might be some stumbling box blocks and there might be some challenges and there might be some periods where you're doing really well and other times where, where you're not and being able to adjust to that roller coaster is really essential. Thank you for that. Yes, because I think sometimes people hear music supervisor and, you know, okay, well, then that's it. That's your job. That's it. And it's like, no, there's, you're still in this space, especially if you're freelance and you're an entrepreneur. You just, you have to be thinking um, about all the angles and, you know, all the, all the different areas. However, it still is something if it's a passion. I'm like, you know, I've, I've, a lot of times, I, it's so funny. It's really cool for me now on IG like the stories you, you know, if you put your story, I don't know if either one of you even do IG stories, but as an artist, it's like in my past life, I think I was a DJ or something. Cause I love to curate mm -hmm. scenes. I love to see a scene and what the music, you know, what, how the music is going to impact to make that scene really pop. And so for me, music supervision, that definitely has, it, it, it keeps kind of clicking in my head, but, um, you know, I think about like, well, that, that doesn't mean Kenya, you're going to sit back and chill, you know, once you, <laughs> if you were to do that, but, um, that, I think that's really helpful to, to know. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's really rewarding that way when you get to see the marriage of music that you've pitched to picture. But I think something that I wasn't even entirely aware of, and a lot of people aren't aware of is that the majority of the work of a music supervisor is licensing. So you're working yeah. with contracts and you're doing research and it is a lot of paperwork and a lot of organi organization of minutia. So it's mm. not just listening to music all day. The majority of the job is actually beyond that. And yeah. in many cases, if you're working on a, a well-known feature, for instance, a lot of times the director has a very strong sense of the music that they want placed in that film and so you might not even really be pitching music. It may not even be your creative opinion that goes into play. You might right, just right. be in charge of licensing the music that that person mm -hmm. wants for their project. Mm. 
Thank you for that, because see, there, you know, yep. that's that's why God in the universe has kept Kenya in artist land. But yeah, no, that minutia, that level <laughs> of detail, it is. You, you, you know, you're exactly right. Oh my gosh, we're getting low on our time, Will. I'm looking at yeah. our clock. Ah, oh, things go by so fast. Yeah. Go by so I fast. I know. <laughs> it's just so crazy. Uh, we, yeah, we we gotta have you back. <laughs> and I, I, sure. we'll, we'll orchestrate it at some point uh, because everybody's scared. I know we know your schedule's crazy, but we definitely yeah. want to, you know, <laughs> want to continue this because there's so much more to, to cover with this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I would be happy to come back anytime. This was a great experience. Thank you so much for having me. No, you're welcome. Oh, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an honor to have you here. And it's, it's, it's really an area that I think sometimes is this secret space. How, do we, how does it all happen? How does the film get, you know, who, who is the, who's doing the magic of making sure, you know, people's music is being heard and pitched and all of that. So thank you for sharing and being very transparent and, and honest. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really appreciate Really appreciate that. that. So. Of course. Yeah. I don't know if there's any way. Um, I know you're on um, LinkedIn. Is there, if, if people wanted to just kind of get to, you know, in touch or wanted to learn more about APM or so forth, what's, what's their best way to do that? Certainly on LinkedIn, that should have my personal information at APM as well. So you can shoot me an email there or, or through LinkedIn. Either way works. Um, just please be aware that I do get hit up a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes, I was it, say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it takes yeah. me a while to respond, please be be generous and understand. But uh, I do my absolute best to respond to every single person that reaches out. So awesome. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I could feel awesome. that energy from you. I was like, I'm yeah. so um, yeah, you know, you're you're that's when you talk about being reliable and you know, strong work that worth that work ethic and respectability you're getting lots of stars sarah it's been a pleasure i mean because we were saying it, it you know we had to work around your schedule and um i just appreciate you being patient and and we of course are patient we have no problem with that so so yeah best of luck oh, yeah, in this- i thank you you guys were so patient i appreciate it thank you <laughs> yeah no, no not, not a problem at all so yeah all awesome. right william another Here. great podcast another great one another great one I love these this is this is like yep. my therapy I love this I'm in my uh-huh. room <laughs> I'm like I gotta go back to the real world in a minute but yeah I know right so, yeah, um, yeah. alright well we will see you all next week and again thank you all for listening to us and again thank you DC Radio for having us on and uh, we will see you all next week yep take care alright Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you would like to join our new artist development program, the 3MB Club, please contact us via email at 3mbpodcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your podcast player and leave us a rating and review. Also, please leave us a comment on our Facebook or Instagram page. And if you would like to contact us about a specific topic, you can email us at 3mbpodcast at gmail.com.